Welcome to the You Can't Take It With You podcast, where we explore estate planning and end-of-life issues. Your hosts are Annie, Hannah, and Lana. I'm Annie. Me and my sister Hannah are estate planning lawyers in Washington State. Lana is our mom, and she's got a lot of questions about this stuff. Fortunately, Hannah and I love talking about it and especially love helping people understand these issues so they're not intimidating or scary. Thanks for joining us. Hello, on this week's episode of You Can't Take It With You, we are talking about healthcare directives. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Probably one of the more intense documents that we deal with. Are we excited to talk about it? So excited. (laughs) Quite excited. (laughs) Nothing gets me excited like a healthcare directive. (laughs) Totally. Some of you may know this document as a living will, but here in Washington, we do call it a healthcare directive. I think it's easiest to understand this type of document, why we use them with a little bit of history. Some of you listeners may know the story of Terry Shavo. Terry was a young woman in Florida a few decades ago who, because of some complications related to bulimia, was in a vegetative state. And she was basically just existing on life-sustaining treatments like food and water, but had no brain function and was not going to get it back. So in that case, her husband wanted to let her go, meaning withdraw the life-sustaining treatments. Her parents wanted her to stay alive to see if they could fix whatever was wrong with her, the doctors. And it went through all types of legal battles, lots of legal fees, back and forth to the Supreme Court, and ultimately the life-sustaining treatments were withdrawn. The issue here is no one knew what Terry wanted. And if we had had something in writing from Terry to say, in this situation, I would like to have food and water withdrawn and let me die naturally. If she had said that in writing, it would have been a lot more simple for her family to effectuate that decision. So a lot of people started doing healthcare directives after the Terry Shavo case. And we do them in every estate plan in our office. So when do they apply? That's a big question. Right. Well, they apply when essentially you are a vegetable. And the the specific legal terminology for that is permanent unconscious state or terminal condition. Okay, stop there. Yeah. Okay. Can they tell that for sure, definitively, that you are not going to be conscious again? Because that scares me. It's like buried alive or something. Maybe Mm. you're laying there hearing everyone talk, but you can't do anything. What's the answer there? Nothing's for sure, right? But is it medically? Do we know? No, it's based on doctors' opinions of whether you're going to How regain many consciousness. One or two, depending on the determination. The form, yeah. Sometimes yeah. people will define which doctor. Oh yeah, will make this decision for oh, them. Yeah. Like if they have a kid, who's a doctor, which I think is not a good idea, but if you have a doctor that you trust, like Dr. primary Walsh. care physician. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. We had a, a lovely family doctor who uh, any of us would have re- relied on for this decision, but he's passed. Okay, yeah. answered my question. Okay, we don't know, but we think. Right. It's definitive. This is the best we can do, I guess. Are there situations where people have come out of comas? Of course. Where they were deemed vegetables? (laughs) Not vegetables. (laughs) Wait, you see Martin? (laughs) Another movie rack, if you haven't seen My My Blue Heaven. Mom's quoting it, so. Yeah, but it's not (laughs) a lot. No, but are there cases, I'm sorry, where people have been deemed permanently brain dead? Isn't that the word? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you gained yes, brain yes. dead and you can come back. Yes. I mean, there was a guy who came out of a 12-year coma recently. 12 mm-hmm. years. But think mm-hmm. about how 
rare that is. You know, you hear mm-hmm. about this on the news, and that's one person. And he was young. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When I think we've answered that. Yeah, I've taken us down another rabbit hole, but yes. no, there's a lot of rabbit holes here. But okay. that's why people are concerned about this document, right? That's why we we let people make that decision because they can say yes or they can say no. But that would be ten years of emotional trauma. And cost for that family. And then what kind of life do you live after that? Oh, One without muscles. Right. right. <laughs> and lots of bed sores. Hopefully you get turned. <laughs> we talked about this last time. Yeah. It's, okay. okay. Oh, jokes about bed sores. Okay. So I understand. I'm, you've answered my question. It's not an exact science. I don't think that doctors, every doctor, every nurse I've talked to about this document is like, Ugh, they're not great. Right. Because doctors are you usually have a pretty confident take on my impression is that they know when things are not worth right. fighting and are they required to follow the directive because great question another great question okay am i taking us ahead no this You're is doing perfect. great this okay is, we have no agenda well <laughs> clearly i think people can tell that but i do know of cases where there's a do not resuscitate and the doctor had the er the amts have resuscitated yeah, I think it's important to understand, though, that the healthcare directive is not a DNR or a do not resuscitate order. Oh, nor it has nothing to do with that. It's it's a separate document that you sign at any point in your life, young, old. You just say, hey, if bad stuff happens to me, I end up brain dead. I don't want to be kept alive. I know that for sure. In my document, I say no to water and food being artificially provided to me because I don't want to be a drain or a burden. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if doctors say I'm done, I want to be done. A DNR is something where you sign and you say, I don't want to be resuscitated. We're past that point with the healthcare directive, right? DNR would come up before this document. It would be, hey, something's happened catastrophic to this person. If we resuscitate them, they can come back and live a fine life, you know, hypothetically. Mm -hmm. As people age, they sign DNRs because they do not want to be resuscitated, right? I'm old enough. I'm sick. I wouldn't withstand like that if kind you're of trauma. It might break yes. their ribs. Yes, as, as, as people get older. But the DNR is not a legal decision that can be advised by a lawyer. That's a physician-only decision. So if I, if I walked in to my doctor and said, I want to sign a DNR, the doctor would be like, you're 39 years old. You're in good health. I would not recommend you sign the TNR, right? That would be a weird move at this point in my life. Okay. At least so we hope that's what he was saying. What you're right. saying is a DNR is not part of the healthcare directive that we're talking about. Correct. Okay. Different thing. Okay, let's keep on with the healthcare. I'm sorry I brought it up. No, everyone, everyone, asks, everyone assumes that it's ah. the same thing. Okay. So a healthcare directive is just like something, you know, I think the best way to understand it is like you've had a stroke, you know, and mm-hmm. a stroke is a weird thing because we don't really know all... Uh, I'm not a medical person, but like there's a huge spectrum of recovery after a stroke. It can be a huge stroke where you're left incapacitated. And in that case, people want to be let go. But in a case that I've dealt with, a woman had a major stroke, was bedridden, couldn't communicate. Her eyes were open. She could kind of see what was going on, but couldn't speak. We don't know if she was hearing us. After several months, it became very clear that she was not getting better, that she would not improve, and any hope we had was lost. This was in the months, right? So that was kind of efficient in the medical world. But at that point, the family pulled out her healthcare directive and said, she has said she would not want to be kept alive like this. Right. Even though her eyes were open and it looked like she knew what was going on, the doctors were saying she does not know what's yeah. going on. So they let her go. Do they check the brain? 
function, mm-hmm. the scan? Do they do a oh, scan yeah. to see if things are connecting? Yeah, I can't speak to, you the know, testing. I'd love to get a doctor mm-hmm. on here. Maybe right. we could get our friendly neighborhood doctor on here to chat with us about this because mm-hmm. I don't know all of what they do, but it's a pretty big hurdle to... Should ask Maureen. Yeah. And there are some documents like ours that require two doctors to say so. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But it's brain dead. No, no brain, brain function, function and not going to get brain function. Not okay. going to recover. Right. No chance of recovery. Right. Okay. It's a heavy document. Like we said earlier, I mean, people see it and they're like, ugh. But it's really wonderful to have in place because if your family has to make a decision as to whether to let you go or not, it's nice for them to have something in writing. So that, they're not arguing. Yeah. Like the Chavos. Or feeling like the Chavos. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the Chavos. Guilt well, mitigation document. Guilt mitigation is what we call it. So that your kids. Guilt mitigation. Yeah. So if you're going to say that your mm-hmm. grandma or your dad should not continue living, it's nice to have something in writing from that person saying, yeah, this is not how I want to live. Right. Even if you know that mm-hmm. in your mind and yeah. in your heart, you're still going to have guilt. Well, and if you've got other relatives that are, you know, some crazies in there who... The yeah. crazies. Yeah, in fact, two people have to watch you sign mm-hmm. the health care directive. And in the declaration that the witnesses sign, it says they are not people who provide you medical care, right? So they can't be your doctors or nurses or any of those people, caregivers. They also can't be people who are interested in your estate. Well, that makes it difficult, doesn't it? No, I mean, your lawyer like, will yeah. be witnesses, but I'm just saying because it you don't want people who are... Pizza delivery guy. Yeah, yeah but you don't want people who have an interest in what right. they're going to get from your estate to say whether they'll let you die. It's notarized. Great. Then. I mean, it's legal. Yeah, it has to be witnessed. It doesn't have to be notarized. So witnessed by two people. Where does one keep one's health care directive? Great question, Mom. Generally, just with your other estate planning documents. So you want to make sure people know where those are. Usually you have time in these situations, because it's unlike a DNR and like a traumatic moment of don't uh-huh. resuscitate someone, you can usually pull them out when things are going bad, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I, I recently had some minor surgery and they asked me, it was in the hospital, over, it wasn't overnight, but it was a little thing. And they said, be sure to bring your healthcare directive. Oh, yes. I remember that. <laughs> and you're like, but wait, where is it? Why? Why is something going to happen to me? Totally. I don't want that. <laughs> I will not bring it. <laughs> you will not need it. I refuse. <laughs> they also did that to me with both of my deliveries. Oh. As I was being wheeled in and I was in labor with Fletch, they said, do you have a healthcare directive? Well, I'm like, excuse you. Inopportune time. Yeah. I was like, I want I'm, a baby. I'm leaving tomorrow with the baby. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's pretty standard. The Terry Shavo case really catapulted these documents into like the main, like everyone needs to have them now. So here's my question. We bring it to the hospital. Does the hospital keep it in your file? So a lot of people will upload it into their like my chart or their online. Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. yeah. Or, or just yeah. even provide a copy to your doctor and then they oh. have it. They'll put it in. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you keep them with your estate planning documents. I think as people age in particular, they start giving that and the healthcare power of attorney to their doctors, partially because they ask for them. Sometimes just because. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Healthcare power of attorney. Yes. So we talked about powers of attorney in another podcast. There's a lot of confusion about healthcare power of attorney versus the healthcare directive. Yeah, I remember that now. Healthcare directive is the end of life decision. Hopefully won't come up. Healthcare power of attorneys where you designate a different person to make healthcare decisions for you if you're incapacitated. So if you didn't have a healthcare directive, 
your healthcare power of attorney would be the person that would be making that decision for you. Yes, to let you die or not. What about the power of attorney? There's a financial and healthcare one that we do at least. Mm -hmm. Okay. The idea of the power of attorney, right, is you're delegating to someone else to make financial decisions Financial pa power at POA and then healthcare POA. Yes. Is that the directive? No, the directive <laughs> is a separate document. Okay. But it's related to the healthcare power of attorney in that that is an example of a decision that a healthcare power of attorney or agent would be making for you. Power of attorney, you give the authority to someone else to make decisions for you. Right. 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 But you don't outline what those decisions are. You say, I just trust this person. They're going to do right, right, right by me. Healthcare directive is one decision that you make about your end of life. Okay, healthcare is cremation or burial? No. Healthcare directive? Healthcare directive is water and food provided to you if you're brain dead. Okay, what's a power of attorney then? Healthcare power of attorney. It is giving authority to someone else to make decisions for you. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I think everyone else. <laughs> I don't think we need all of these. No, we're just talking about healthcare directives today. So the end okay. of life decision that you say, hey, healthcare power of attorney. You don't have to make this decision for me. I got this one. Is it the same person? <laughs> no, because the healthcare directive is not a person. It's a choice, right? You right, say right. yes or no. Oh, right, right. And so that's a choice that otherwise, if you didn't have that healthcare directive, it's your power resource for the power of yes. healthcare power of attorney. Yes. So I have a healthcare power of attorney. I have a financial power of attorney. Yes. My healthcare power of attorney will access my directive and things. Implement the directive. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So it's really a, the guilt mitigation. You're taking the guilt away from your healthcare agent. Who is my power of attorney. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I got two people. There's a lot of words. Financial, power of attorney, healthcare, power of attorney. And it could be the same person. Yes. yes. But I have to designate that. Mm -hmm. And the healthcare power of attorney doesn't sign checks. The healthcare power of attorney decides what's going to happen to me based on what I've said I want. Correct. No matter what other people around in the family want. Correct. Okay. I think I have. You should check out our podcast on powers of attorney. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it was weeks ago. I can't remember all that. Have you listened to it a bunch since then? <laughs> it's it is a confusing thing. Um, the healthcare directive. Let's put it in the Terry Shava world. If yeah. Terry had signed a power of attorney, healthcare power, of attorney. a healthcare power of yeah. attorney, she would have designated a person to make this decision for her. She hadn't done that. She had not signed a healthcare directive either. So no one knew what she wanted and there was no legal representative to make that decision for her. Got so it. she was left to the courts. So if she had said, my husband is my power of attorney, uh -huh. then the, the plug would have been pulled years before. Okay, her. question. Is it next of kin determined in your medical records anyway? Wouldn't that be the person? Because I, I have to a, a, allow a person to look at my records. I, I have Evans and then I have you. Mm -hmm. That's Annie, just for the record. Oh yeah. <laughs> updated in a while. <laughs> I mean, I had to name people in my medical records who could see my medical records because they have that probably. Yes. And that's, and, and that's like kind of boot suspenders, boot straps and suspenders. Belt. Belt. What are you talking <laughs> that's about? That's a belt. I would say that's bootstrapping, but that's wrong. <laughs> Do we have to look this up? No. Okay. No way. It's belt and suspenders. It is balance suspenders. Like keeping I, your pants up two ways. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let your pants fall, Mom. Wait a minute. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, so you <laughs> like, okay, you have people designated, me included, Annie, on the 
Well, um, first is my husband, yeah. then is my eldest daughter. Annie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those people can work directly with the hospital. I can access your information. I'm not sure that means I can make decisions for you. It depends on what the hospital has put in place. Right. Okay. Your healthcare power attorney says that okay. your husband can make decisions for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the husband. Well, he might or di die before I do. That's so, right. And yeah. sometimes the spouse is incapacitated, you know, yeah. so we need to know. Plus, you don't trust them, maybe. That's right. It's possible. I've had that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Worked with that dynamic. <laughs> Throw it's me in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So all these things kind of work together. The healthcare directive is not used as often as the healthcare power of attorney, I would say. It's important to have in the arsenal. Just of directions you're giving from the grave. Yes. Aptly named. <laughs> Yes. I think okay. an interesting thing that's come up a couple times lately with my clients is they say, oh, okay, so this is going to apply if, you know, I'm not doing well, I'm brain dead, things are not looking good, they implement this document, but then my healthcare power of attorney can say, hey, let's wait to put this document into play until my family can come say goodbye. So we can like hold on to that, but still the decision will has been made and it will be implemented. It's just like working together to make sure it's done in a way that makes sense for the I person. I now understand this, so I assume uh, <laughs> anyone would understand. <laughs> I would assume Are you well. saying you're done with this I conversation? Am. I am. I think this is healthcare well, directives for dummies. Something else that people sometimes do in these documents is they will put like a like a qualifier in it. Like, keep me on life support for 30 days. Oh, okay. Conditions. Yeah, conditions. People who are thoughtful. Well, or, you know. Or organized. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I think the sum up here is that the healthcare directive, or living will, as they're sometimes called, are really good documents to have in your arsenal of estate planning documents so that if your family has to make hard decisions at the end of your life, they know what you want. Generally, people do not want to have life-sustaining treatments, right? And I say this flippantly, but I kind of mean it. If you say yes to food and water, it means that you're waiting for some sort of miraculous medical intervention to save you. And what bring about you back. Um, breathing, ventilator? That's not covered in the healthcare directive. So you're seriously? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Isn't that a big one? It is. Yeah, it is, and that that is looked at to your power of attorney. Your healthcare power of attorney. Uh -huh. These are imperfect documents. And they're okay. intended to give some direction to the people in your family. Okay, so we got food, water, and ventilation three issues. That, but only food and water are covered by the healthcare directive. Well, there's also a directive in there typically about drugs. So like pain management. Well, hell yes. Exactly. <laughs> we've actually taken that out as an option. Of ours. And we've just said everyone gets pain meds. So if oh, someone has okay. to tell us specifically they don't want pain medication. I mean, okay. You know, it's yeah. not something you want to watch. But the ventilation, I mean, that's, or um, yeah, is that yeah. the word? I don't know. What it's not covered word? there. The idea is like at the base, food and water will keep you alive. Okay. Breathing? I, yeah. I mean, I don't if know If you how can't breathe yourself, maybe. Well, I don't know. It's always an issue. I think they give you a Remember ventilator. Terms of Endearment, that yes. movie? <laughs> yes. Okay. Steel Magnolias, is that one where she... Anyway, I can't remember, depressing movies. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Anyway, so it's a document where you say you want these things. Most of our clients say no to those things, which takes a little pressure off the family to have to make hard decisions. And I've had a lot of people say, I'm so grateful. My mom, my dad, yeah. grandpa had it. So they don't have to make the decision. That's exactly. right. Okay, yeah, that is pretty traumatic to have to do that. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're probably in the midst of a lot of trauma anyway. Yeah, so guilt yeah. mitigation. So that's yeah. healthcare directives. We say get them. You can get them online. Okay. They're pretty basic statutory forms. Included in Orbit Wills. Where would I get them online? Wills. At Google. Orbit.com? 
orbitwills.com. Oh, always. Yeah. You can always get it done. You can get them from your doctor. You can Google them. No kidding. Yeah, they're really easy documents to get. And the most recent one governs. So if you change your mind, you can easily do a new one. You do have to have it witnessed by two people. If you don't have one, ask your lawyer why you don't and or get one. <laughs> okay. Make sure your witnesses are not your doctor. That's right. Or your right. kids. Yeah. Okay. We got through a heavy document pretty easily, right? Yeah. I think mom understands what they are now. So yeah. momentarily. We're winning. <laughs> Let's not revisit this issue for a while. Maybe with a doctor next time. Okay. I have to go look at mine. I have one apparently. Yeah. Let's look at that. Maybe we should look at that right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the, you can't take it with you podcast. We hope you've learned something from this episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please rate and review us. And to learn more information about estate planning and end of life issues, visit our website at www.thenarrowslawgroup.com. Thanks again for listening.